Hello, and welcome to another edition of Forrester's CX Cast. Each week, we speak with an analyst from the customer experience team about their research or discuss a customer experience topic in the news. Along with my co host, analyst Diana Lawfer, my name is Sam Stern. You will hear both of our voices each week. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Forrester's CX Cast. It is the week after Forrester's New York CX Forum, and so we thought we would have the forum host join us, us being Sam Stern speaking and my co-host, Diana Lawfer. Hi, everyone. And we thought we'd have John Dalton, who hosted our New York City CX Forum, join us to tell us about the forum. What uh, what were the main themes? What were the topics discussed? The speakers that are sticking in his mind a week after the forum. So, so John, thank you for joining us. And question to you: We were we had a theme for the event, uh, playing the long game when it comes to customer experience. And I'm wondering, is that where we saw a lot of the the content going, or were there sort of other themes or sort of hot topics that were the the main areas of focus for the event? Yes, we saw several guest speakers, in particular Ford, and I think also City, mm-hmm. uh, to drop names. Um, Elena Ford from Elena Ford, Ford. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, who are definitely playing the long game. And w- what I mean by that is they are changing everything from their business strategy to their hiring, their cultures, their partnerships to align with customer values that are changing and customer behaviors that are changing in ways that uh, they're, they are struggling to catch up. To their credit, they were very candid about that. But absolutely, they're, these are long-term, five, seven, nine-year investments. Yeah in people, processes, technologies, all the usual things you hear people talk about. So there was definitely, I think, a lot of energy around what it means to play the long game versus incrementalism or taking a shot at improving a website's performance or in-store experience or reducing churn rates, all of which are valid initiatives. And by the way, it's not either or. The companies that are playing the long game are doing those other things as well, but they are clearly seeing a pretty substantial transformation for themselves. I mean, the fact that Elena Ford was willing to say that they may well not be measuring their success as a company by the number of cars sold, but instead the miles driven, which which Mark Fields, the CEO of Ford, has said before. But the fact that she picked that up and went with that a little bit and talked about access versus ownership, those are big changes for Ford. And I thought Similarly, for Alice Milligan talking so comprehensively, you know, I was I was delighted to hear this. Her point about you know CX professionals should own technology, and her point is that if you're not may, if you're not involved with those investments, if you're not involved with modeling those returns and seeing those returns through, you're not going to get credibility for longer term initiatives. So yeah, I think there was some really good content on the long game for sure, but there were some other themes that came out as well. One of them that was loud and clear was mistaken assumptions. I think every guest speaker mistaken had, assumptions about your customers. Yeah, about other groups besides customers too or just really Primarily about customers? Primarily customers. I, yeah. I mean, and, and the funny thing about it was, it was we heard it from a couple of different perspectives. So Alex Wright from Etsy was talking about the fact that Etsy, going back to its origins, has always been facile with A-B testing. They're a yeah. data-driven company. But they learned, interestingly enough, while mastering that, that technique, they've learned that A-B testing doesn't work for all of their customers. On the B2B side of the house, their sellers don't appreciate that kind of disruption, even if it's in the name of optimization. Right. Whereas their buyers, so to speak, in the marketplace are a lot more tolerant because they visit so infrequently, they may not notice some of the changes that are being made. So from that standpoint, 
you know, mistaken assumption about tolerance for a particular sort of improvement. Or again, of course, Elena Ford talking about just profound mistaken assumptions across that entire industry, you know, not just Ford, of course, but the entire automotive industry about what not just millennials, but what people want and expect from transportation today. Right. Or Marriott. Uh, that's a great story about uh, the fact that before he joined Marriott, he used to go to the Ritz-Carlton. He would take clients there. He was in the venture capital community. He was looking at his receipts one year for tax season, found he'd, there were thousands of dollars he'd spent buying coffee and food, entertaining people there as part of his business. And now that he's the head of loyalty at Marriott, he realizes that Ritz-Carlton doesn't even consider him a customer. <laughs> you know, he's not wow. even in their radar. And that wow. that kind of recognition we heard over and over and over again, that fundamental assumptions about customers were way off. Yeah, so Ford is, and the other automakers have long assumed, you have to buy a car from us to be our customer. Right. And Ritz-Carlton and the hotel chains had long assumed you have to spend book, the night. book a room and spend the night to be our customer, right. what it, you're getting at, right? Yeah, yeah which yeah. leads to another theme that, that we heard loud and clear, which was um, go deep. Yeah. You know, you, you can't rely on surveys. You can't rely on a single metric. You can't rely on gut. You have to really spend time with these people. And I'm not surprised to hear that because these are pretty advanced practices. But at the same time, I was encouraged to hear how many of them are investing very heavily in some form of field research or open innovation. They're going beyond surveys, going beyond, for example, a single metric like MPS. They're challenging themselves. They're challenging product owners. They're challenging their C-suite to really take a, a hard look at just how much they really do understand the experience of transportation or the experience of insurance or the experience of money or the experience of being a buyer in a complex market like, you know, B2B market. Mm-hmm. I um, I personally spoke to a lot of folks there that were new to their profession. Um, mm. They were new to CX. They had just started their job within the last six months. They were trying to get a hold of what this CX thing is all about. Did you find that there was content available for them as well or that the bigger theme would speak to those folks as well? I think that the bigger themes speak directly to them because yeah. I think it's important for them to hear what's really involved with this. And, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I think we in, at Forrester have seen this many times where we've already gone through a generation of CX professionals who've lost their jobs. Yep. Um, and it's either because they were overtasked and underfunded, which is all too often the case, or mm-hmm. they may have set the wrong expectations. Or I think in many cases, they were kind of whitewashing uh, usability or as CX. And there's so yeah. much more to it than that. Actually, this raises an, an interesting point that I do think both new people to the field and experienced folks benefited from, which we heard a lot about simplicity mm-hmm. in this, at this event. Yeah. There was Mark McCormick, of course, from Wells Fargo, who talked explicitly about simplicity as a design point for, of all things, their B2B side of the house mm-hmm. at Wells Fargo, mm-hmm. their wholesale side of business. But you heard again and again and again and again, people talking about taking products out, reducing complexity of processes, taking features out, the discovery that there was too much noise in the interaction. Yeah. That's something I think everyone can benefit to hear from because it's to make that kind of decision to simplify, it requires C-level support, it requires a heck of a lot of research, and it requires a lot of manpower. So I think while some of these more advanced practices may, you might think, would only appeal to more seasoned professionals, everything they were saying, though, resonated with me over the past 10 years following this stuff. It was not Star Trek, kind of forward-looking, you know, new technology or radically, you know, idiosyncratic lessons learned. They were real bedrock uh, Mm -hmm. lessons, you know, like mistaken assumptions. We've known that for a long time. I think what was different about this was just how candid people were. That is something that was new to me was just how upfront they all were in in some of these mistakes they've made or mistaken assumptions. And I think particularly useful for a newer generation of CX pros was the steps they took to resolve those. I was pleased to see how open they were about the ways they overcame these challenges. That reminds me of something you've been saying for a while, John, in terms of emotion and customer experience that often making an an experience more emotionally resonant is removing the pain that the negative emotions from the experience often by 
making it simpler and making it a shorter path to getting what the, the customer wants. And so that was sort of resonating on that level too, right? Bringing those types of emotions out of the experience. So it is just, okay, this isn't frustrating and painful anymore for me as a customer. And I have to say, this, I need to be clear here because we've, we, we know, yes, there's a strong connection between emotion and CX. I was actually relieved that very few of our guests spoke to that. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, they've already moved beyond that. They, hmm. That's just sort of understood. Yes, we understand. Right. We, we know that we're playing with That's no longer emotions. an epiphany you can describe exactly. yourself having. Yeah, yeah, we know that we know what the stakes are. Um, we're playing with people's memories and emotions. We're playing with people's, unco- you know, their unconscious desires. We're, we're, we're enmeshed in their environments in ways that we don't fully understand. And so I think it's almost, that was, I'm glad you raised that actually, because it, it come to think of it, I don't think a single guest speaker really <laughs> talked about measuring emotion. It was a much more, and in that sense, I think it was a pretty advanced group. They were talking about just multiple perspectives, including emotion, but not limited to that. Yeah. Great. Um, well, any other themes or major pieces to hit? You know, I was really intrigued by, to tout one uh, or a couple of our own folks, I, I thought that... Uh, Joanna Vanderbrink Quintanilla's presentation on journey analytics was terrific, mm. and I heard a lot of good feedback from the audience about that. The notion that this kind of ability to, to marry quantitative and qualitative insights in one, you know, visual display—not a panacea, but just a, a huge step forward in, in in giving some rigor to journey mapping as a practice. I thought that was a really nice presentation, and again, very well received. I thought your presentation on culture, Sam, was terrific, and I heard a lot of good things about that. Thank um, you. It was—I uh, went fishing there. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else? You heard anything? Any other speakers that caught your attention? Uh, well, Tony Costa did a great job talking yeah. about blind spots and how ethnography can help you actually correct for some of these mistaken assumptions that we heard our guests talk about. And of course, Harley's speech was terrific about the mm. business of CX. Mm-hmm. Still, I mean, that's that's a bee in his bonnet and has been for many years, and I think his research is really coming to fruition now. I also love Dave Gardner from Ingredient. He was the last guest speaker we had, uh, which is always a tough spot on mm-hmm. the second day. But the measurement framework that Ingredient has put together is really sophisticated and smart, and the way they've involved to your point, Sam, in terms of culture, the way they've involved their own employees in the creation of those metrics uh, across functional, line of business, and the C-suite, mm-hmm. you know, a tiered approach that makes sense to each level. They're tied together, and yet it's not hardwired. It's not as if it's unforgiving. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's some, it's just very, very fascinating story. I thought he was terrific. I wish more people had stayed for that because it was one of the better measurement stories I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Having talked to him about their their story, I was, I've been really impressed with all the work that they're doing in that area as well. Um, I should mention Vicki Jones, too, in terms of the long game. I, I, yeah. I would be remiss oh. not to say that because AT, she was from AT&T. Yep. You talk about the long game. I mean, this is a truly a 10-year odyssey, maybe longer. And I just loved how upfront she was about, you know, the burden of her burden. I mean, it's not a burden or the opportunity. What did, what did they say? The, the privilege of pressure, I guess, um, <laughs> of trying to, to change the way people inter- are entertained. And the opportunity they have with this a- a direct TV alliance to fundamentally change the way people access, share, and experience entertainment. And just the, the incredible volume and variety of moving parts that they're managing to do that, mm-hmm. including culture, mm-hmm. uh, hardware, software, alliances, the regulatory environment. I mean, this was a full-on transformation involving not just CX, but also business technology, the back end, the ecosystem. 
Yeah, but it also speaks to CX becoming larger than just this marketing function, right? Really being in charge of technology yes. and operations. And I think that was a point Alice hit on when yes. she talked about how her team basically has grown tenfold since she's been there. Hmm. That's right, from 40 to 400 in a few years. And wow. I, you're making a really important point. I, I think that actually was one of the sub-themes that I still am digesting, was the number of times we heard people talking about their CX initiatives in the context of, the, of, of these initiatives being at the very center of the business strategy and the business design that they are not, to your point, part mm-hmm. of marketing or product or digital, not anymore. Great. So uh, Forrester has three more CX <laughs> events this year. We've got one in San Francisco in October, one in London in November, and then one in D.C. in September focused on our government clients. Is it too early, John, or can you talk about whether um, we're going to have some of the same themes in some of those events? So CX London, which is coming up in November, is uh, is actually a great event. It's a, in my opinion, it's it's a perfectly sized event. It's about five hundred folks on site, and that's really where we take what we know uh, is happening in North America and we kind of test it in the European market. And so the core themes will be very similar to what people saw in New York. We'll be talking about the CX mindset from the executive level and how that's going, but also talking about design, culture, measurement, customer understanding, and how those things are playing out among uh, leading brands in Europe. DC, as you might expect, is focused heavily on government Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. and what some call the citizen experience or the the customer experience there. Rick Parrish, uh, who is our specialist in government CX, will be hosting that event with help from Harley Manning. And the the, the guest speakers for that event already are phenomenal. I mean, th- these are high-level, very seasoned professionals in Washington who have a mandate, uh, a, a federal mandate, to fix broken experiences. Now, I know that sounds like, oh, really? Like the government's actually going to do something? But I think it will surprise folks to see just how ambitious some of these programs are. Getting back to the theme of simplicity again, that, mm. that keeps coming up again and again and again in Rick's work. Um, And we have, of course, another event in San Francisco in October of this year. That's going to be a particularly interesting event because I think it's it's going to push some people thinking about what disruption really involves. You know, we talk a lot about disruption in terms of the demand side. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Somebody comes in with a cheaper product that's shiny or whatever and people flock to it. What gets less attention is disruption on the supply side the actual ecosystem in which you build something or make something, when that, it changes. When someone is building a platform that allows them to do something radically different from what you do, you're in deep trouble. Hmm. Just ask, you know, Research in Motion. Uh, <laughs> Who? F- figured out the hard way. <laughs> you know, they didn't quite know how to assemble uh, a phone the way Apple did. Uh, look what Uber has done to transportation. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's many, many examples of this. So we'll have some people in, in San Francisco talking about strategically how they look at CX as part of that kind of disruption. It should be really interesting. So, listeners, if you did not get to join us in New York, three more chances to come to one of our events uh, around customer experience in the fall. And as John, I think, just laid out pretty well, if even if you did come to New York, there will be a lot of new content and speakers and points of emphasis at the fall events that would... Uh, be worth your time. So hope to see you there. Thank you. Thanks, John. Thanks, listeners, for joining us again this week. And we'll talk to you all again soon. Bye. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to this week's CX Cast. We'll post links to the reports we mentioned in the show notes for this podcast. And if you have questions or suggestions, please contact me at s-s-t-e-r-n at forrester.com. And remember, your customer's perception is your CX reality.